anybody going through it, I would say do not panic about that. Um, you have to really look on your chemo as, as your, your fighting army, really. You know, that for that level of time, they're your friend, really. I know you have those side effects from it, but they are trying to help you. Welcome to the podcast Taking the P Out of Sea with Caroline Killerley, the podcast that explores ways of taking the purpose, positive and panic out of cancer, helping us to grow stronger through our cancer journey, realising we can gain control back and there are people out there to help us. I am your host and during each podcast I will introduce people that have inspired me as a cancer survivor, plus the network of experts and support groups that are out there that offer the knowledge and safety net for us. My guest for this podcast is a fellow cancer survivor, Fiona, who had stage three ovarian cancer. And throughout surgery and chemotherapy, she remained upbeat and went on to inspire me through my journey. How did she do this? As with anyone, there are dark days during cancer, but it is finding that thought or action that pulls you back on track. This can sometimes be meeting someone that has a kind word, reassures you or motivates you, finding your perspective on your next phase of treatment. So let's go and meet Fiona. Welcome Fiona. Welcome. <laughs> I also welcome back our friend Dee from the first podcast who joins us today. Welcome Dee. Hello, good to be back. Oh, we are, we're literally three friends uh, and we've sat together many times, haven't we girls, round the table, having a coffee, uh, sharing things and today Fiona, um, I want to hear about your journey, for you to share with all of us, your journey with cancer and one of the P words in taking the P out of C is panic and we'll be navigating our way through it during this podcast and Fiona, your diagnosis and panic, is it cancer? Uh, the dreaded word. Would you begin by telling us what happened to you and firstly your diagnosis and, and how you coped initially? Um, yes, um, well I was diagnosed in 2020 um, uh, with um, uh, stage three ovarian cancer and, um, and that came about really because I was getting um, symptoms of a very distended stomach and um, and then I was losing weight and I went down the usual route of the GP visit mm. visit, and um, and they said if it didn't go down within a couple of weeks I needed to go back which is what I did and then from then on I had the usual blood tests and um, and, and that's when in February 2010 they told me that I had a stage 3 ovarian cancer um, diagnosis um, wow, so a, a real shock to you. Uh, yeah, a real shock. Um, and, and even though you always have that in the back of your mind, it could be that when you're told it's still a real blow. Mm. Um, and, um, and then from there, it was a whirlwind, a whirlwind of tests, scans, appointments. Um, you're almost really too busy to really focus on, you know, how black it could be for you really um, and then um, 
and then pretty quick I was um, um, sent to guys and um, and then from there it was um, six cycles of chemotherapy and um, a hysterectomy in between all of that but that, that came about because I was put into um, a trial called the Chorus Trial okay. and that is to see really whether um, uh, your, your three cycles of chemotherapy and then hysterectomy and then three cycles whether that is any better for the patient or the other way um, six cycles and then a hysterectomy so it's kind of to determine what was the best um, outcome for the patient really that's what the trial was there for so very challenging though and how did mm. you cope with that panic you know as you're saying it's an absolute whirlwind mm. you know and obviously you know myself and you know Dee um, with her hypnotherapy skills as well mm. and your family around um, how did how did you cope with that we said the whirlwind and the busyness of it well I, th I think that I think you've just hit on it there Caroline that your friends really mm. your fr I mean especially you and Dee being in that world you were you were there on my dad diagnosis. I know. Weren't you? Do you remember? I, yeah. I actually remember you coming, being brought yeah. into the room, and we were. And, and I can't tell you how you. much that really helped me. Oh, I just know. remember making yeah making some tea for you and yeah. your aunt, yeah. and um, yeah. and you know just for you to have that time mm. with us to just. To work. try and absorb it, really. It's a lot to take in, it isn't is. it? When you're first mm. told, it's mm. um, you go cold from the head down. You do and, and exactly. Um, and, and the thing is also with that, on the day of my diagnosis, I had to be admitted straight away from, because I had ascites, so I had to have Okay, and what's that? Ascites is a build-up of fluid in, in your okay. stomach. Yeah. Um, so, so that, even that was um, a shock to the system, because I've never ever been in hospital myself. Um, I, I lost a, a parent with cancer, but when it's yourself, it's, it's a very different story a, very, uh, um, a scary time a scary and time mm. yeah um, and, and what what do you think helped you through that that time that, that um, or did you just take it as it came or well I'll be honest I think for the first couple of weeks I, I was in quite a low place yeah um, very low and I remember being in hospital feeling really low um, but I don't, I don't I don't know really I don't know if it's something inside you because I came out and um, and I know I, I had to go to St Thomas's to see my surgeon there and I was very low then and I don't know what because it, it kind of kind of brings in the um, the hair loss thing really mm. Mm. I decided to I tried to think positively so I decided to as soon as I knew I was gonna lose my hair I had my hair cut and I don't know what it was from that day onwards it was like something in me changed it turned my outlook round so you're sort of back in control you back were in control you were in mm. control again so yeah. you pushed that panic away with yeah. a positive attitude yes. you want cancer you took me over but I'm taking control yeah. back it felt I know it sounds really strange but it felt like I was trying to look on it as a different adventure if oh. I can put it like that um, I'm a strange adventure a roller coaster <laughs> of adventure but that's the only way I made sense of it, really. Um, just trying to look at it as something different. Mm. And but I think in my experience of working with many, many cancer patients, control is a really, really important part of the whole process. Mm. Because I think once you're on that treadmill, 
of you know appointments um, tests mm. surgery chemo radio whatever it might be you feel like you don't have any control mm. anymore and that uh, that has been said to me many many times yeah. so I can understand that actually getting yourself to a place where you feel in some sort of control um, that's going to put you on a better footing mm. to deal Definitely. with to deal mm. with all of that and I guess not everyone can do that but no you know, fantastic that you mm. could mm. I, I love that word you said adventure you know yes um, yeah. it's, it, it's the only way I could make sense of it, really. Because there's not many people that would talk about cancer as an adventure. Mm. You know, it, yeah. it's, an, it's a really interesting yeah. word mm. that you use, in fact. But um, it shows then that you have to be careful, because that brings on, and thank you for that, Fiona, being very honest, because obviously a stage three mm. diagnosis is a very scary one. Yes. Um, and, I mean, when you were diagnosed, did they tell you, about staging and uh, that you knew that this actually was serious stuff. Yeah, yes. Um, my consultant, she said straight away it was a stage three, and I, and I, um, I, I remember looking at my aunt, and she was so upset. So I, yes, I did know it was a serious grade. Mm. Um, but um, I, I don't know. I, I just thought, you know what? I had so much faith in my doctors. Mm. I really did, and I felt really nurtured and supported um i mean they they got on the case pretty quick mm. so yes. yeah I, and yeah. it's like you said you felt supported which brings to my next question is about we have to be careful who we listen to um i know when i was first diagnosed i remember you saying to me um great words of wisdom that um you know who i should trust and to stop googling uh mm. certainly stop me panicking um and and I can see now what made you decide that is, yes. you know, you, you changed your attitude. It was mm. a, a strange adventure, but it was an adventure. If yes. you, go, you know, I quite like that. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, um, you know, like you said, tell us what made you decide to think, right, I'm just going to trust my surgeon and trust my oncologist. Um, I suppose, I suppose it's, I suppose it's the, the impression they give back to you, you know, that they're very, um, I don't I don't know, you just, at some point you have to hand yourself over to these people because that's their, their job, it's their vocation and you had no, you had wonderful support from your family and friends but you need their expertise mm. and I think to give that up to them it released me really mm. in a way, it released me from any added pressure that I could put on myself because I think I'm handing it over to them. I'm not saying don't be aware of what's going on with you, but yeah, it, it, it's like a realisation you just have to hand yourself over to them really and, mm. and trust in them. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you've found this, Dee, sometimes <coughs> when I've spoken to fellow cancer patients, they, um, and often they're very successful people, they, it's almost they write a thesis on it where they will know everything about every trial ab about everything mm. and I think to go to that length it can be quite exhausting mm. um, but Absolutely. I like what you said mm. which is trust them mm. be aware um, yeah. of what they're oh, doing yes. be aware um, but it does take a lot of weight off your shoulders it does. doesn't it it really does because you haven't really got that extra energy for all of that mm. Mm. You, and you do literally have to put your life in there you do yeah you do. 
Mm. That's got to be the 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 best, the easiest way in many ways. Otherwise, if you don't trust anything that your doctors are saying to you, or what they're going to do mm. to you, you'll never get through that process. So I think, um, you know, if you're able to write from the off, do what you did. Absolutely. Um, mm. And I know you did, Karen. Mm, totally. They yeah. the, both in your surgeon. Yeah. It's got to be the easiest way. Otherwise, I don't know. I, I, I can't even understand how anyone would cope with mm. any of it. And we're, we're talking about a, a disease that time is the essence. Mm. That, you know, if you'd started saying, um, could I look at this all up? And, you know, two, three weeks a month makes a big difference in cancer, where you, mm. you know, especially stage three. Um, yes, yeah. So, you know, mm. you, you really want to be acting um, as soon Probably, as your really. oncologist mm. and surgeon yeah. gives you the time scale. So yeah. they, they, they are wise words. You also touched on hair loss. Um, and you said how you coped with this. You found, a, a, you, I noticed you had such a positive attitude that you decided, I'm going to have chemo, I'm going to lose my hair, mm. I'm chopping it off now yes. then. Um, and not only positive, but with humour. <laughs> I know the two of you, <laughs> Dee and you, have got a story to tell that I'm going to leave you two to tell, which I think is sums it up that, you know, girlies, we do, you know, ladies, it's hard to lose your hair, but I'll leave you to tell the story of what happened. <laughs> Well, I came over one, one afternoon, um, I don't know whether I'd come over to give you a treatment or just came to visit, um, and it was, it was interesting, because as soon as you opened the door, I looked at you, as I always do, <laughs> I think you look, looked amazing anyway, but I noticed this incredible <laughs> long strand of hair that you literally had... Clinging on for life. Clinging on for dear life. <laughs> bit like a Bobby Charlton comb over. <laughs> and I just looked at you and I said, Fiona, love, that's got to go. We've got to do something about that. We really do need to. And you were brilliant. And you were, and we both looked in your hallway mirror and just, and you went, yeah, that's got to go. <laughs> and fantastically, you went off and you got a pair of scissors and uh, yeah, and I kind of chopped it, chopped it off for you. But um, and I was left thinking, why didn't I do that earlier? <laughs> was it was it that you just sort of grew rather attached to this tiny little bit of hair that was Probably left? Probably Caroline. That's even though my hair was short, I still kept that little long well, I bit. I guess you want to just hang on to whatever you can yeah. hang on to. Mm. I, c- I can totally understand why you would, but it wasn't a good look, <laughs> and it actually looked a lot better when, it did. when we cut it off, but we did laugh, didn't we? Did. We did, oh yeah. It was so funny that moment, um, I don't think I've laughed so much, it was just <laughs> hilarious, and that, go, that, that just goes to show that out of, uh, you know, something like cancer, you can find so much humour, and I know Absolutely. that, I know that you, mm. you dealt with mm. yours with so much humour, because again, that's the only way, and they, you know, they don't say laughter is the best medicine for, for no nothing. reason. Oh, it it really, yeah. really gets you through some yeah. and you, grim times. You also bought a wig, didn't you? Which is actually similar to how you've got your hair now. When I think yes. about yes, it, yes, it's slightly longer, but but but, but even that was a um, a, a humorous experience because Dee came with me f- for that, and um, share with us what happened there. Well. It, uh, 
in those days it was in the old guy's building so it was in a tiny almost like a broom cupboard wasn't it yeah, Dee yeah. and uh, I remember saying to the, the lady there I said oh I'm going to try blonde because I want to see if they really do have more fun because <laughs> you were dark naturally I was dark yeah, yeah. dark brunette yeah. and um, so yeah I mean it, it wasn't a good look was it no, blonde didn't suit you <laughs> So I think you got one which was a similar colour. It was, yeah, it was. And and actually, having said that, quite a good good tip is to actually get your hairdresser to perhaps cut it into a shape you would like. Yes. You know, I mean, sometimes the wigs are fantastic now, so you probably get them the style you, all the the style you always wanted, really. (laughs) Um, But um, but no, he he was brilliant, Chris, and he came over and he cut it for me. So it's just, but you know what? The, The thing with that is I probably wore it twice. Mm-hmm. Out of the whole time I was bored, really. Because and, and what was that? Uh, um, well, I suppose the time of month I, I was going through that, it, it was quite hot weather. So I thought, you know what? I got to the point where I thought, you know, I really don't care what people think about me having no hair. Yeah. So I either wore a hat, I wore some nice hats, some nice scarves, um, headbands. And that just did me really. That yeah. that was enough for me really. Yeah. But having said that, I I can totally appreciate why other perhaps patients um, want to keep their hair. You know, and they go down the cold cat route. I can totally understand that, and it's a very personal thing really. It is, you. and it is yeah. exactly. It's mm. a very personal. It is. Every, and there's no right and there's wrong. There's no it's, right or wrong. It's no. just what's mm. right for you. Yeah. Moving on, when you say about friends, uh, friends can be a strength and a weakness. Um, some friends cope better than others, and some family members cope mm. better than others. Did you have any negative friends that you found you actually having less to do with? Because you or no, do you know I was so blessed there. All my friends, all my friends were wonderful. Yes, yeah. um, I suppose there are several people in my life that I have released from my. <laughs> But then I don't think they were friends in the beginning, to be honest. But no, my, my close friends and my family were brilliant. Um, I can honestly say I didn't have anybody around me that I thought, no, I can't cope with, with you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes even family can, yes. be quite, it can be quite hard because mm. they're finding it difficult to cope with mm. your diagnosis. Of course. And so in the end, you find that you're supporting them rather than mm. the other way around. I mean, I, I have to say with that, like, like with the hair loss thing, I, I suppose I, I don't have um, an immediate family, children, etc. So it puts mm. a whole different complexion on your, probably your experience, mm. you know, when you've got dependence like that on you. Um, but, but my situation, I, you know, I didn't have that really. So I didn't have that added stress of that really. Mm. And um, you mentioned you'd had the chemo, you had the surgery. Mm. Um, Surgery, challenging. Challenging. What was, yeah. yeah. How was that for you? Challenges that you faced during this time? Yes, yes, it was challenging um, because um, um, I remember saying to one of my consultants that you know I was so weak, but she said, "Well, you've had you've had three cycles of chemotherapy and then a hysterectomy, so you're doubly weak, really." So knowing that, you think, "No, I really, you can't do anything. You literally can't do anything, really." You, you don't really understand that level of weakness until you've had that. Um, but um, but no, I, I, I was lucky enough that I could really rest um, each day. And um, I mean, they, and you also have to listen to your doctors. They say six weeks, um, that's six week recovery really. And you have to listen to that because they can, they're so um, spot on with their, um, you know, their predictions like that really. 
Um, but after surgery, um, I had a few weeks rest until I was slightly strong enough to continue with the chemotherapy. Because that, that is a challenge, isn't yeah, it? To, going to, back to again, keep positive that mm. you've had chemo, you've had surgery, and you know you've got more chemo coming. Yes. Um, but, um, but I have to say, through the whole of my chemo, I, um, I experienced no sickness, really. Or, um, you know, obviously you're put on a steroid, which helps with your appetite. And um, so, um, no, it, do you know what? It was not bad. It was not as bad as you think it's going to be. And I know you mentioned when you were having chemotherapy to DNI, what a cheerful place it was. Now, usually in films, etc., they're portrayed as the really scary place. No, not at all. Tell us in your experience, because you were so positive about the chemo, you were so cheerful throughout it. What was it like? So somebody who's never, or got a relative that's going to be having chemo, Mm. explain to us what it's like. Um, Well, I mean, for for a start, the nurses are fantastic, and you feel so... um, um, protected and, and looked after um, and um, I mean it sounds strange but I did used to quite looking forward to, to go, going in there I'm probably coming in <laughs> <all> one off <laughs> yeah, really I haven't even given a carrot cake yet <laughs> but uh, I suppose I can only speak as I find really I, I just found there was so much camaraderie in there um, from patients that probably that you don't always see every time you go. Um, the humanity in there was fantastic. And just the humour, the humour. Mm. Um, honestly, it's not a scary place, it really is not. Um, and, um, you know, I suppose I suppose my treatment, I've probably been there for six hours. I mean, a, a big part of that I was asleep. <laughs> but, yeah, it would, no. I found it um, a positive experience actually, and um, I mean, as, as you continue, you, you you can feel slightly worse. You feel flu symptoms, um, but they tell you all this. And um, but um, but no, it, anybody going through it, I would say, do not panic about that. Um, you have to really look on your chemo as as your your fighting army, really. You know that for that level of time, they're your friend, really. I know you had those side effects from it, but they are trying to help you. Again, it's that mm. trusting. That trusting. Trusting yeah. your oncologist. They're not going to give it to you because you don't need it. No. They're giving it to you and they because tweak you it. need it. They tweak it for your needs, really. So it's, it's yeah. designed mm. specifically, specifically for, for you. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is tailor-made for you, really. Yeah. And and mm. you are going to get a benefit from it. Yes, because, absolutely. Uh, but it obviously kills the cancer, but yeah. it also knocks out mm. the good guys. Yeah. But um, but then but then I think you have to go with that. You don't you don't fight that. You have to go with it, really, because your body has to let it do its job. Really, yeah. I mean, D and I, we both we yeah. found you throughout all your chemo, your surgery. You were positive. Mm. You were you know you I I know in your initial diagnosis. Yes, everybody has that panicked yeah. moment because mm. it's that uh, the dreaded words. Yeah. Um, but. You know, it, it's been fantastic to see how strong mm. you grew through cancer. Um, and I've always said to Fiona, I, I think, I don't know how many times over the years, that I've never known anyone deal with yeah. cancer. In all the patients that I've ever seen, 
throughout my career, I've never seen anyone deal with it as positively, right from mm. almost the start. And, mm. and, you know, just with such, you know, gratitude towards mm. the staff, um, you know, your friends and everyone around you, that's got to make it a much more bearable yeah. experience. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. And, al- and, also, and also, I would say, if you have any time in hospital, um, I, I know when I was in guys, I was in a, I was first of all put in a room on my own, and um, that's because of the bed situation. But actually, I made myself go out into the ward and not make a nuisance of myself, but just say hello to people, mm. just so that you're not um, isolated, really. Mm. But I mean, you, you do get to know that some people don't want that, um, but you can make some very good friends in 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 those wards. Actually, there is there's a lot of friendship and. Um, like I said about the chemo unit, a lot of friendship and camaraderie in places like well, that. So anybody that's you know going to go into hospital or yep. have chemo, it's mm. a real positive yeah. message that they can take away with them. Uh, one, a tool that mm. you know keep positive and and um, it's going to be okay. It really brings people together, actually. But cancer is a great leveler. It is. Isn't it? it is. At the end mm. of the day, it is. Yeah. Totally. Um, totally. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't matter what background you're from. I mean, ha- having having worked in the NHS and in the private sector, doesn't matter how much money people have got. No. You've got cancer, you've got cancer, yeah. you're still dealing with the same stuff. Mm. But cancer yeah. doesn't care. Yeah, <laughs> cancer doesn't care. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's a very naughty squatter, cancer. Cancer doesn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> very bad I behave squatters. <laughs> I remember you used to say that, didn't you? You used to say to me as well, I've got mm. a squatter. You, you, have, you have to visualise. Yeah. You have to visualise sometimes that thing inside you. Yeah. You know, you have to and try and um, make, not make light of it, but just try and see the humour in it. Sometimes you're only left with your humour sometimes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, mm. let's face it as well, when you've lost all your hair and mm. you're not feeling 100%, that's the mm. one thing they can't take away from you. But is we talked about humor. the visualisation. Yes. Of, you know, when we talked about chemotherapy in, mm. in my podcast yes. talk yeah. about the Pac-Man munching yes. away and eating up that is the such a yeah. visualisation you know sometimes mm. visualise well visualisation yeah. is very powerful mm. and, yeah. and also it's you know like you say if being positive about chemo uh, like with the visualisation and realising that it's tailor-made for you, this is what you need, yes. and it's a positive mm. thing, not a scary thing, No. Um, then that, the change of mindset is important. Because I remember you saying to Dee and I that if you could face cancer, you could face anything. Yes. And it's one of the hardest challenges you'll probably ever face in your life, you know. Yeah. faced with your own mortality so yeah. Um, so yeah nothing can be as bad as that actually and it makes you um, it makes you um, filter out all the rubbish stuff in your life and all the trivial stuff and you know makes you aware of what is important really totally mm. and I, I know you said it's because we, we were walking somewhere and you said you know it's been it's not exciting but there's something you said it really was an important part in mm. your life yeah. that spurred you on um, and has enabled you to have a new purpose because mm. you've tried mm. new things since, mm. haven't you, that yeah. you wouldn't perhaps have tried before? Do you want no. to share some of those? Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I, I, um, I joined the Animal Rescue 
Um, I've been travelling with you, haven't I? I've had lots of lovely trips. Lovely holidays. Lovely holidays. Yes. Um, And sometimes the small things in life, just enjoy sometimes the small things in life. Just nature. um, Yeah, not the big things that you think are important. Um, Cherish your family, your friends. Um, I think you have to go... I think... I think sometimes when you go through something like that, you can't stay the same. It has to change you, really. You have to. It has to have meant something, really. Um, well, that that gives it a purpose. I remember you does, saying, you know, yeah. you you've had cancer. It's given you a purpose, and the purpose is to get rid of all the stuff that doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah. So it's actually quite a blessing in that way, because so it many is. people. Yeah. It's time for a good mm. clear out. Yeah. So yeah. Ma- yes. It, so many actually. people are holding so on to. Stuff mm. that's wrong, whether that's jobs, yeah. people, clutter, um, it does clear the mind, relationship, yeah. everything, sort of yeah, yeah. or even their old behaviour or fears, yeah. fears anxiety yeah. of doing something. Mm. Suddenly they go, well, at least I'm allowed around to try it now. And also, it's that feeling of of it making you stronger. Actually, I don't anybody. I think before anybody's actually diagnosed, you don't realise how much strength you do have. Actually. I mean, if somebody had told me quite a few years ago that I would have had this, I wouldn't have thought I was strong enough to cope with it. Mm. But actually, you can surprise yourself. You really can. If you really dig that deep, um, yes, you you can. I think Mm. the human spirit, I think we have so many resources Mm. that, unless unless we've been tested Mm. and challenged, we don't know what we're capable of. We don't, because I think in modern day life, you're not, probably tested as much as probably you might have been years ago you you can you know your life is pretty much on an even keel and you know with the um with the medical world now we live longer so it's a given that you're going to reach an old age so we sort of take it all for granted Mm. Mm. and then once you get that diagnosis all of a sudden you crave your predictable life don't you you predict you crave that predictability but actually going through it you think well it can't stay as predictable anymore really do you know what I mean mm. it's sort of um, it does make you really evaluate your life really mm. so it is actually a journey that it is a journey an adventure. Yeah. adventure an adventure <laughs> yes now we're looking at it as an adventure not a journey I know, I know. the journey's overused that word <laughs> it's, it's a cancer adventurer <laughs> yeah of course I'll put the cat among the pigeons yes but I know we we talking before we were um, sitting around the mic is support groups um, mm. some people may not have that many friends mm. uh, or family that cope well um, but there are amazing support groups in local areas mm. and also up and down the country nationally there's breast cancer now there's Macmillan yeah. there's uh, mm. there's lots of them that help patients um, alleviate the panic and keep them positive because like you said, in that group setting, sharing yes. experiences helps to keep you positive yes. because the lady next to you has had that mm. and, and anyone now will be taking away the fact chemo is a positive thing. Yes. Um, did you try any support groups though yourself? I didn't, Caroline, no. I, I was offered um, um, quite a lot of information from, from St Thomas's, which was brilliant, but um, I felt I had enough support from my family and friends, to yes. be honest. I, I'm, I don't know perhaps if my prognosis had have been different perhaps you might think I I might have looked into that um, but I think because I felt I was doing well with my treatment and um, as I say with my friends and family I had good support there mm. I didn't feel I needed to 
um, to join a support group. Mm. But I think I think if you do, I think they're brilliant actually. And it's also mm. nice knowing they're there. They're so there. If you yeah. had a moment where family and friends are getting a little tired yes. of the subject, yeah. you've then got somewhere else to. I, th- I think it's like you said before, didn't you? Yeah. You said that it's just the knowing that you have that info mm. there. Yeah. Um, if they had nothing, yes. then then you could feel there's no, yeah. no safety net. Yeah. I still feel think about the doctors that helped me. Um, I mean, I know it sounds strange, but I know when I wasn't going to my hospital as much, I, I kind of missed, I missed, I missed them. I really did. I, but I think that's a natural... It is quite a... Lot, a lot yeah. of people say yeah. that. Don't because you, yeah. feel, you feel so supported and and um, nurtured, really, that you, you do... Um, but you're, yeah, you're you miss, on your own then, aren't yes. you? Yes. Yeah. They do yeah. become very much part of they your do. life. Mm. Yeah. Certainly in those early yeah. months mm. when you're going through lots of treatment and you've got lots of appointments and then all of a sudden there's nothing there's um, a quietness yeah, sort, yeah. you know you can mm. feel suddenly mm. oh. well fiona thank you thank you both for coming along and chatting and sharing and helping taking the pee out of sea and mm. showing us the positive the purpose and the panic out of cancer yes and um but it doesn't have to be scary as you're made to think it is really exactly mm. Mm. and i think um i'll put the kettle on we'll have a cup of tea and a piece of cake shall we <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>